It is nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News, the phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Y'all, the North Korean summit on hold for now. It is interesting. I, I want to read you the letter from the president. Um, I will read it word for word from the president of the United States. We'll leave out the address and whatnot. Uh, Dear Mr. Chairman, we greatly appreciate your time, patience, and effort with respect to our recent negotiations and discussions relative to a summit long sought by both parties, which was scheduled to take place on June 12th in Singapore. We were informed that the meeting was requested by North Korea, but that to us is totally irrelevant. I was very much looking forward to being there with you. Sadly, based on the tremendous anger and open hostility displayed in your most recent statement, I feel it is inappropriate at this time to have this long-planned meeting. Therefore, please let this letter serve to represent that the Singapore summit, for the good of both parties, but to the detriment of the world, will not take place. You talk about your nuclear capabilities, but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. I felt a wonderful dialogue was building up between you and me, and ultimately, it is only that dialogue that matters. Someday, I look very much forward to meeting you. In the meantime, I want to thank you for the release of the hostages who are now home with their families. That was a beautiful gesture and was very much appreciated. If you change your mind having to do with this most important summit, please do not hesitate to call or write. The world, and North Korea in particular, has lost a great opportunity for lasting peace and great prosperity and wealth. This missed opportunity is a truly sad moment in history. Sincerely yours, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America. Now, I wanted to read you that letter because the reaction to it has been as dumb as you can imagine. Take, for example, this sentence. You talk about your nuclear capabilities, but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. Literally, I kid you not, the media, the the supposed objective reporters today, not the pundits, not the analysts, but the actual anchors and reporters, oh my gosh, we're going to have a nuclear war! He's threatening nuclear war! I mean, they, they, they actually are accusing the president of the United States who said, I pray to God they will never have to be used. They're actually accusing him of threatening nuclear war. The whole reaction from the media is unhinged. And then there's this in the New York Times story. Oh, where is this line? I should have highlighted it. Now, one of the things you, you may understand is, is what on earth is the president talking about with the, the anger? Well, a North Korean official referred to Mike Pence as a political dummy, and then they blew up and said they would never, ever, ever give up their nuclear weapons. Um, and uh, then they said there was no point in ever meeting if we wanted to give up if we wanted them to give up nuclear weapons. That was the, that's the anger the president was referring. But th- there's this line in the New York Times story. There was almost a jilted tone in Mr. Trump's message. Y'all, the message was on a piece of paper. Do you know what the tone of a piece of paper is? In this case, it's a white tone with black toner cartridge. That's it. There was 
almost a jilted tone. So there wasn't a jilted tone, but the New York Times wanted you to believe there was a jilted tone, so they said there was almost a jilted tone. <sighs> My goodness. All right. I, I just, the way the media implies these things, and, and of course they're, they're mocking the president for the failure of the North Korean summit, for having gone ahead and gotten the... Um, gotten the coins pretty which they shouldn't have done to begin with i mean let's be honest here it was a waste of money for these challenge coins military challenge coins to be printed up they're actually on sale at the white house gift store now i kid you not uh the white house has an online gift store the the site's been crashed all day as people go try to buy these as, as souvenirs i'm really surprised they're not giving them all away but it, the the reaction here is the media is almost cheerleading that the president failed at this you know if this happened and Barack Obama walked away from a summit with the North Koreans and there was a reaction comparable to what's happened here, we would all be accused of being racists. You know it and I know it. Anyone who dared laugh at President Obama failing to, to go to a summit with the North Koreans would be accused of being a racist. But because it's, it's Donald Trump, it's okay. You're allowed to mock him. You're allowed to mock uh, his failure to get the North Koreans to the table. He came close. But I got to say, it, the most objective commentators out there are pointing out today, this is rather par for the course for North Korea. North Korea has done this repeatedly. They've done it with China. They've done it with South Korea. They've, they've done it with us. The North Koreans, they, they go through the motions, they claim they want this stuff, and then they don't show up. Like, for example, um, the American State Department sent diplomatic negotiators to Singapore a week and a half ago to begin negotiating just the parameters of the summit. And the North Koreans never showed up. They weren't there. Didn't get a ton of headlines at the time, uh, but they didn't show up at the time. And every single expert has noted that this is what North Korea does. So it's not unexpected that the North Koreans would begin saber-rattling. They don't know how to deal with the outside world. The North Koreans are completely isolated. They do not work well with others. They don't play well with others. They, they don't negotiate well with others. They don't know how to relate to others. They're a bunch of insane people at the top and a bunch of starving people at the bottom. They just, they don't work well with others. They call it the hermit kingdom for a nation, for, for a reason. So this isn't a loss for the president in that sense. I, I mean, I think it was kind of ridiculous overboard for uh, Trump supporters to say, oh, he should get the Nobel Peace Prize for someone that had not yet happened. And now suddenly they're on the, oh, only he could walk away like this. No, I, no, no. I don't think so. I think that rhetoric is a bit hyperbolic, but uh, I don't think the letter from the president to North Korea was crazy. I, I don't think it was inappropriate. Um, the The White House says the president dictated the letter. You could actually tell that. I don't know that we needed anyone to say that. It's not like they have people writing in Trump tone, Trumpies at the White House. You could clearly tell uh, that this was something that he dictated. But I don't know that there's any reason to be critical of it. It's the president of the president's tone. It, it's amazing to me how even the little details the media wants to mock about the president. Listen, I'm a critic of the president. I, I'm critical of the president all the time. I make you people mad for being critical of the president. 
And even I get defensive of the guy when I, I see the media nitpicking these little things. An almost jilted tone in the letter. It's not an almost jilted tone in the letter. It's a letter to the North Koreans saying the summit's off because the North, and he didn't say the North Koreans are insane, but certainly maybe that was implied that you people are nuts. I'm not dealing with you until you calm down. That's what he should have said because that would have even been more true. But the president, as presidents tend to do, was very diplomatic in his letter. And of course, the media won't give him credit for that. They're attacking him now for being the diplomat that they have always said he could never be. He can't win with these people. It is 25 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Let's go to the phones, shall we? Kim in Atlanta, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm just wondering, uh, I used to work in Washington in the media during the 80s, and I, as I recall, uh, didn't President Reagan walk out of, like, he was there and walked out of a summit with the Russians, with the Soviet Union? Yes, right? sure did. Um, that wasn't nearly as big a deal as this is seeming like. Right. Well, you know, at the time, actually, it was a huge deal. It was big. Reporters were really, really giddy at the time that Reagan had completely screwed it up, been embarrassed by Gorbachev, wouldn't take the deal, was too hard line, on and on. Pretty much everything they're saying about Donald Trump right now. I guess. I guess. I guess you just didn't have the internet venom at that time. So yes, you're you're absolutely right on that part. Um, it, It is. It's disturbing to me though now that you bring that up it just how much history repeats itself and how much the left is completely oblivious yeah, uh, to the history think about it anyway yep all right well, well thanks yeah absolutely kim thanks very much for the phone call uh let's go next to let's see do i have time yeah real quick tom welcome hey how are you Eric? thanks are for you? taking my call sure Hey, I'd like to make a few comments on the poker game of foreign affairs, if I might. Yep, be quick, though. Okay, you might recall a news story about two to three weeks prior to any talk about a meeting about an explosion in a mountaintop in North Korea that destroyed their some of their nuclear infrastructure. Do you recall? Uh, yes. Okay, well, that story seems to have been dropped from the news cycle, like a lot of other stuff. But suppose this destruction of these tunnels that... News people, news people went all over the world to see the last couple of days was just a false gesture, and we have we happen to have intelligence supporting that, which is why we are not going to the meeting. You know, we've been played by them so many times in many administrations, and we capitulate without getting anything. And this time, we did the bluff, got the three hostages back, and have given away nothing. And the meeting is not happening because they're not genuine. This was all their poker play of a bluff, and we call the bluff. You, I think that is a, a actually better perspective on this, Tom, than what the media has given us. Uh, very much is. Um, is when we come back, uh, I, I do want to shift to one domestic topic. Republican questions. There turns out there were some. They just weren't on my ballot. It is 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You know, I said yesterday that there were no 
Republican ballot questions. Um, it turns out that there were Republican ballot questions, um, but they weren't statewide. They were only in um, a handful of counties, which is interesting. I did not know they did that, um, but yes, they did. Um, they were in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 50, 16, 17, 18, 17 counties. Um, and they were mostly outside the metro area. Um, they were Coweta, Whitfield, Catoosa, um, let's see, um, Pierce, Muskogee, Lumpkin, Harris, Catoosa, Barrow, Ware, Gordon, Lumpkin, Whitfield, Glenn. Um, they didn't appear across ballots. Uh, and I'm not sure why the parties did it this way, but they were local parties. Um, one of the questions was, should Georgia offer Amazon billions of dollars in incentives to locate its second headquarters in Georgia? Uh, 66, no, 33, yes. Should public school teachers be permitted to carry their personal handguns on school grounds if they hold a weapons permit? 81% yes, 18% no. Should casino gambling in Georgia be legalized? 57, no, 42, yes. Should senior citizens be exempting from paying school property taxes? 83, yes. 16, no. I actually, I would be in the no camp with that um, for reasons I can explain later. Should all residents provide proof of citizenship to be allowed to vote? Uh, 96, yes. 3%, no. Should non-citizens be able to collect welfare benefits? 95, no. 4, yes. Should business owners have the right to refuse services based on religious beliefs? 75, yes. 24, no. RIFRA. Should uh, RIFRA be passed? 86% yes. 13% no. Should, would you support the federal funding of cities, counties, or states that declare their jurisdiction to be sanctuary cities? Ending the funding. Yeah, 83% in favor of ending sanctuary city funding. Should the fact that each individual right enumerated in the Bill of Rights of our Constitution have a matching verse in the Old Testament and New Testament be taught in history courses in our school? What? Oh, goodness. 91% yes, 8% no. Should the medical use of marijuana be decriminalized? Uh, yeah, majority in favor of that as well. Um, should recreational marijuana be decriminalized? Um, a slight majority, no. And the reason I'm not giving you percentages is because there aren't any here on the spreadsheet. Um, and should the U.S. build a border wall? 89% yes. Should illegals be deported? 92% yes. Um, so these were questions that were put on local ballots by local Republican parties. They were spread across the state. There weren't a ton in the metro area. Coweta, which is Noonan, I guess you could argue was in the metro area. Um, that's it. The rest were spread across the state. Uh, Muskogee County is Columbus, uh, an, um, a more urban area of the state, but it's fairly uniform that Republicans want the Republican legislature to pass RIFRA and Republicans want the Republican legislature to not be handing out tax dollars to lure Amazon here. Uh, so there you have the Republican version of the questions. Again, though, they weren't statewide. The Democratic questions on the on the ballot were statewide questions. Now, uh, if you are on social media in any way, shape, or form, if you're on the Internet, if you have ever been on a website and given them your information, and they're a big international site, you are getting emails, the GDPR emails, and I am so tired of getting these emails, you probably have no idea 
what these emails are, why you're getting them. And I want to tell you, because I'm being flooded with them, I assume you are as well, the GDPR, General Data Protection Regulations. So the European Union has passed this thing, GDPR. And essentially what it does is it tells you is your websites or websites you go to, if they have a European audience, if they collect data on people from Europe, uh, they have to tell you what data they collect from you and how you can remove that data. And they're only allowed to store data that is necessary to be stored, not ancillary information you give them. And companies are having to send these notices out now to tell you you can get your information deleted from their websites, even if they make it a very complicated process. And the emails you're getting inform you of what the process is to get these companies to delete your personal data, your email address, your birthday, whatever information they have. The reason companies are doing this is because a, a company that is found guilty can be fined up to 4% of their global sales, not 4% of their global profit, 4% of their global sales. So if they make a billion dollars in profit, but they've sold $5 billion uh, in sales, they can be fined based on the 5 billion number, not the 1 billion number. So companies are sending you this. I suggest you glance at these if you get them. And I know you're being overwhelmed with them. And I know because I'm being overwhelmed with them. Uh, but they do actually tell you uh, how you can get some of these companies to delete your data. Some of them have no business having your data. Um, and the problem I have with GDPR is that there are a lot of American companies that are being burdened with it who don't. The real reason for GDPR was to target massive companies like Facebook and Google, Apple, and, and the like. But it's other companies as well are running afoul of this now. And frankly, there are small businesses uh, like, like the Resurgent, for example. Uh, my company, we don't even turn a profit. Uh, in fact, we're, we're seeking uh, donations from people to keep us going. And we are we are able to put in a plug-in on our site that makes it easier for us to do, but there are a lot of small businesses and small websites that can't, and they're being burdened by this by the European Union. Now, what some websites are doing is just saying no business from Europeans allowed. Uh, I'm very tempted to do that at the resurgence, just say we, we don't want European business here. We're an American political site anyway. Um, so we're not complying with GDPR, and, and good luck coming after us, Europe. Uh, may very well go that route. But what this is showing, if nothing else, is that some web companies have gotten so massive now that they not only can comply, but they relish the opportunity to comply because they know that uh, their competitors can't. And so it puts them, regulation puts major companies in economically competitive positions against startups. And that's why they're all okay with it. It is 55 after the hour. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go back to the phones. Judy, welcome. Hey, sweetie. I just have a question about what you were talking about. The Dems got more than 18 counties for their right. questions, and the Republicans didn't. Can you tell us why? That's all I want to yeah, know. So, how we can make that difference. Yeah, I, I actually uh, I got a text message from a friend of mine uh, during break who said that it, it had to do with the state parties. Um, the Democratic Party in Georgia 
asked for them to be on all ballots and the state party for or the Republicans did not. It was left up to local county parties whether or not they wanted the questions asked on their individual ballots. Uh, normally, the Republican Party in Georgia at the convention, they approved a series of questions. Uh, they did not go through the approval process at the convention this year for a, an agreed slate of questions on the ballot. Uh, so it was left up to the individual county conventions to do on the county ballots. Well, yeah. I tell you, I would have loved to have answered any one of those questions. <laughs> Me too. I, I heard and about like them. I said, I'll be calling our party chairman and asking him to make sure that we get things like that on our ballot. Yeah, I, I, they need to. And thanks very much for the phone call, Judy. Got to let you go there because we got a hard break coming up. But um, you know, there's a resolution process you go through at your state conventions, uh, the Democrats and the Republicans, and the GOP did not. And if I remember it last, there was some level of controversy over it that uh, the the party leaders didn't want it to happen. Don't hold me to that though. Uh, but I think you seem to recall something like that. In any event. Um, when we come back, we need to shift into other news stories out there, including the immigration fight that's happening in Congress that could just break up the GOP. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Thank you all for joining us here on, I want to shift gears from politics to a a cultural phenomenon that is happening. Uh, First of all, uh, Al Mohler is the president of Southern Seminary, um, uh, Southern Baptist Seminary. There are several of them, and and the Southern Baptist Convention right now is going through a a mess uh, related to the Me Too movement, women coming forward within the SBC, including Beth Moore, who I just adore, uh, and the bad treatment uh, she has suffered at the hands of various men, and it's a- exposing within the SBC uh, some things that need to be corrected. And we're, we're seeing this Me Too mo- movement crop up everywhere. It's, it's not a liberal m- movement per se, although the liberals would love to own it. Uh, but women coming forward who have um, been treated terribly by men in prominent positions. And Morgan Freeman is the latest. Of course, Morgan Freeman, given the the whole story, hang on a second, I got to get this one right because I had totally forgotten about it. And then Doug texted me and said, oh, don't forget about this story. Uh, yes, Morgan Freeman uh, had an affair with his step-granddaughter. Um before she was murdered, this is from the New York Post, Morgan Freeman's step-granddaughter told her boyfriend-turned-killer that the actor had been secretly sleeping with her, confirming years-old claims about the illicit affair. According to defense lawyers, Edina uh, Hines disclosed to Lamar Davenport and others that her grandfather engaged in an inappropriate relationship with her. Now, um... He, the the guy who confesses this, I guess he killed her? Good gracious. Uh, terrible story. Um, now, women have come forward today claiming that um, 
Morgan Freeman sexually harassed them, assaulted them, did all sorts of things. I, I mean, given given that story, is anybody? These rumors about Morgan Freeman have been out there for a while, but still, I just uh, horrified by them. There is a bigger question, though, and it's related to... I've never really watched Arrested Development. I've got a number of friends who are diehard fans. Everyone, it seems like, universally panned uh, the Netflix reboot of the series. uh, Arrested Development is is a cult classic, if you will, from the 90s, early 2000s that was on Fox. And Jason Bateman, Jeffrey Tambor, and others on the show, Will Arnett, uh, really made some of them famous. It never got a huge following. Fox canceled it. Uh, there was still a, a big, big demand for the show, so Netflix brought it back, and a lot of people criticized uh, the Netflix reboot of it. Uh, but it's coming back to Netflix again. And Jeffrey Tambor is involved with it, and he was fired from the show where he played a transgender person. Uh, because of abusive, harassing treatment on set, and others have come forward to make claims against him. Uh, And people are outraged that Netflix is letting him come back for Arrested Development. Now, for those of you who don't know, um, Jeffrey Tambor is, is a really famous actor, even if you can't uh, pick him. He was in The Hangover, The Death of Stalin, which, by the way, is a hilarious movie. Uh, he was in Mr. Mom back in the day. Uh, he played George Bluth Sr. on Arrested Development, uh, as well as Oscar. He was on the Larry Sanders show and the, the show about transgender transparent he was on and fired from. And there are a number of people have come forward accusing him of sexual harassment uh, and um, uh, Jessica Walters, who plays his wife on Arrested Development has come forward and claimed that he verbally harassed her. Uh, Her quote is, she never crossed the line on our show with any, you know, sexual whatever. Verbally, yes, he harassed me, but he did apologize. In like almost 60 years of working, I've never had anybody yell at me like this on a set. And he was apparently very famous for explosively blowing up at other people. And, uh, but usually it's to, to peons, if you will, the, 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 the people that he didn't have to think about, the, the people who get him his coffee, the, the people on the set who are setting up the lighting, the catering crew. Uh, and this was he blew up at a very famous prominent actress who was his equal on the show. And she's never really talked about it before, but he's talked about it. And come out and said he he did apologize to her and he's having to work on his anger and he's having to work on his aggression and stuff. And there are still people who are really, really angry with him coming back to the show. Now, why am I delving into all this? Well, the New York Times has a big story on it, but my, my point is not to focus on Jeffrey Tambor particularly, but this is a guy who has gone very, very publicly out of his way to say, I have a problem and I am working on it and I am sorry to those I hurt, like a 12-step program almost, having to reach out to those he hurt and try to make amends. Uh, Jessica Walter, for her part, has come out and said, you know what, I've I've had to put this behind me. He's a great actor. I would willingly work with him again. What I find is that a lot of people don't want to forgive you. They want to hold it over you. In 2009, on Twitter, I tweeted a really inappropriate remark that I can't even tell you on radio about Justice David Souter leaving the Supreme Court. And I had to apologize for it. Uh, Should not have done it. Apologize for it repeatedly. 
to this day now, that was two th- almost a decade later, that comment still surfaces from people, particularly on social media, but not just on social media, uh, in the general media as well, from people who say, you can't, you can't pay attention to this guy. He has no moral credibility. Look at what he said a decade ago. Never mind that there was an apology. Never mind I shouldn't have said it. Uh, never mind I've acknowledged the problem with it. I've, I've written an entire chapter in a book on this tweet. There are people who want to hold it over your head. The problem that we get into is in a society is that if we don't allow people to move beyond the bad things they've done, people are going to stop trying to move beyond the bad things they've done. If you hold someone's behavior over them, even though they've apologized, um, then you, one, you're really not better than they are, but two, you're, you're providing every incentive for people not to apologize. You're providing every incentive for people not to grow up. Um, and we see this with the tribalism of the left. I mean, take what they did to Laura Ingram. Uh, Laura Ingram, she mocked uh, David Hogg, the kid from Parkland, uh, Parkland, Florida, over not getting into college. Um, and he organized a boycott against her advertisers on Fox, and many of them pulled out. She apologized, and he came out and said, well, that's not good enough. You're only apologizing because of the boycott. Boycott harder! You know, when someone apologizes, you don't get to set the parameters. And what we're finding, what we're finding, sociologists are finding, psychologists are finding, what you're seeing is that more and more people want to set the parameters of apology and they no longer want to allow people to move on from the worst thing they did unless, there's a caveat, they will let you move on from the worst thing you did if you conform to their side. If you abandon all of your core convictions and say, okay, I'm on their team now. Then, then, then they'll forgive you. And that's what it's all about. We are reaching a dangerous point in this country. If we have people, great talent. I mean, there it is inarguable that Jeffrey Tambor is an excellent, brilliant actor. If he's willing to come forward and say, look, I was a horrible person and I'm still dealing with this and I'm still a bad person, which is what he's done. Uh, and I know I got to work on this and I'm reaching out and apologizing to people. If you're still willing to not let him work, if you're still saying, no, this guy can never be seen again. Well, what incentive are you giving him to do anything other than to double down and deny he ever did it? A bad precedent. And yes, it is mostly on the, it's not exclusively on the left, but this uh, insistence that you be defined by the worst thing you did is a terrible habit for political activists in particular on the left these days. It's 26 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. To the phones we go. Tony in Flowery Branch. Welcome. Hey, Tony. Uh, yes. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say, uh, hold on, let me take off. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say, like, your show is really refreshing because you hit a lot of different subjects and at least you stick to... Um, your belief system and you don't try to curtail them. So I respect that about you. But, um, something that, um, I got a little bit of a convenience factor mm-hmm. that I've had with the whole, uh, Morgan Freeman thing was kind of, I find it funny how a guy who's convicted of murder said the person I murdered confessed something to me. Right. Yeah. And then, and then out of the woodwork, 
they come, oh, he sexually harassed. Well, no, no let, let, let me do the, the timeline here, though. So these these stories about Morgan Freeman and his step-granddaughter have surfaced for years. Um, the earliest reports of these, I want to say, go back almost six years ago. And then the boyfriend confessed after in 2008, like April of this year, he confessed that, that, uh, to the murder and that what she had told him, but the allegations, uh, went back several years ago because, um, uh, her, what is her mother? Somebody, other relatives came forward and said this was happening. This was this was all, half a decade or a decade ago. Um, well, what I'm saying is because if I'm because I'm hearing this for the first time on your oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll be the first to admit I'm not 100 percent uh, educated on the Morgan Freeman uh, history of it. Yeah, I try but not it, to be on something like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But what I heard you say, and, I, and I'm not trying to be like a, a fact checker or anything, it's just from what I heard you say is that the defense attorney let it out. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Okay. Let, let me back up on this one, Tony. And, and thank, I, we got a hard break here, but thanks. No, uh, the National Enquirer first reported it in 2009, looking it up now. Uh, gossip sites came out and said it was true. There were pictures and whatnot. Um, the boyfriend on trial earlier this year also said it, but that's separate from the accusers who've come forward in a CNN story. It is Eric Erickson here. So the phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let me get that out of the way. Circle back real quick to clarify on this uh, Morgan Freeman story to answer Tony's questions. Um, The Morgan Freeman story about having an affair with his step-granddaughter is from 2009. It was in the National Enquirer. Family members came forward and uh, several others came forward who claimed to know it was in other gossip sites. And the boyfriend, she was in 2015 murdered uh, by her boyfriend. He's on trial for the murder. I said he was had plenty, didn't he? He's been on trial, and he has said um, that she admitted. And this story came out in the New York Post in April of this year. That is completely unrelated to this other story. Uh, CNN has been working on a story about Morgan Freeman for a while, and uh, they were working on it before the boyfriend said anything. They've continued to work on it. Um, nine women, eight or nine women have come forward and said he tre- uh, treated them badly. But um, he has now come out and admitted he treated women badly, is apologize- or saying he's apologizing for it and whatnot. Um, so it, it's not like these women are just coming forward after the boyfriend said it. Um, the story's been developing for a while and Freeman has come out and acknowledged the veracity of some of the claims. Uh, just putting all that in perspective. Now I want to move on to Jack Johnson, not the singer, uh, the boxer, Jack Johnson, um, John Arthur Johnson. He was pardoned posthumously by the president of the United States. He um, was uh, falsely accused of a crime. And a lot of people came out and said, oh, why did what? Why did Barack Obama not pardon this famous black 
boxer. Well, let me read you the excuse making. Save your laughter for the end. Gavin Park, a former senior leadership staffer for Harry Reid, said that his early impression was Barack Obama didn't want to act on Johnson out of political discomfort. Harry Reid, having been a boxer, wanted Jack Johnson pardoned. Reading between the lines, Gavin Park emailed the Daily Beast, our conjecture was that they didn't want to engage in divisive racial issues that were largely symbolic. But the main reason that Obama held back, Park added, was out of a rigorous dedication to preserving the norms. The Obama White House was stringently opposed to the pardons process, becoming politicized in any way. They felt so strongly about that, it may have extended even to posthumous pardons. Now you can laugh. Uh, Hello, Bradley Manning. Yes, Bradley Manning. Now Chelsea Manning changed his name. Can't change his gender, even though he thinks he can, but changed his name to Chelsea legally. Or what about um, the, the, the Puerto Rican terrorist who was involved in cop killing, fled to Cuba and whatnot? Uh, what, what about them? Obama pardoned them. Now, Johnson, uh, he was the first black heavyweight champion. He was convicted in 1913 of transporting a white woman across state lines. It was the Mann Act, which prohibited traveling with a woman across state lines for immoral purposes. The woman, Bell Schreiber, worked as a prostitute. She had dated the heavyweight champion, he was sentenced to a year in prison, but he fled the country for several years, returning in 1920 to serve his sentence. Now, the president noted there was a bipartisan request for the pardon of Johnson, and he also noted that Barack Obama um, didn't do it. They couldn't get the president to sign it, he said, uh, though there was a bipartisan resolution in 2015 from Congress. Uh, a lot of people, Sylvester Stallone and others were at the White House today. John McCain heralded the pardon. Ken Burns, the documentarian, heralded the pardon. Um, what's so interesting is that the Obama administration cited in part allegations of domestic violence against women for keeping the pardon. Oh, but give me some perspective on that. It's fascinating that Obama cited violence against women for not pardoning the guy i'm reading now from the politico on january 17 2017 as one of his final acts of his presidency barack obama commuted the sentence of 74 year old oscar lopez rivera the puerto rican nationalist who had served 35 years of a 55 year conviction for the crime of seditious conspiracy as well as armed robbery explosives and vehicle theft charges yes Yes. Uh, just he he was tied to Flan, a Marxist Puerto Rican independence group. They were responsible for over 130 bombings. They killed police officers. They tried to blow up a nuclear power facility. They plotted to kidnap Ronald Reagan's son, Ron Jr. And this guy, was his sentence was commuted by Barack Obama, a violent terrorist. But Barack Obama could not give a pardon to a dead boxer who everyone acknowledges was prosecuted because of racial animus. 
and hid behind violence against women. And now they're saying, well, Barack Obama didn't want to politicize the process. He was perfectly happy to grant clemency to Bradley Manning, a traitor. But he couldn't do this. Just President Trump did a good thing here. And it is ridiculous that the left feels the need to defend Barack Obama. When You know, the left accuses conservatives all the time. If you can't ever criticize Donald Trump, you, you defend everything. They do the same thing with Barack Obama. Is it any wonder so many people on the right double down in defense of everything Donald Trump does? Because it's exactly what the left does with Barack Obama. Y'all, don't forget, you know, I put up all of the election night coverage on our podcast. You can get that uh, by texting uh, sh- the word show to 444-999. Text the word show to 444-999. Uh, and you can get the election. All You can get all the episodes of the show. In particular, you can get the election coverage. Uh, because, well, I just think it's worthwhile. Can I ask a question? I know there are a lot of you who work at uh, Turner and CNN who listen to this program, and I need to ask you a question. It's an important question for those of you who work for CNN. When are you going to have a town hall with the kids from the school in Texas where the shooter showed up? Any idea? Because I would like to watch that one. I mean, I assume, CNN, that you're going to do a town hall with the kids from the school in Texas because you did one with the kids from the school in Parkland, Florida. I mean, what's fair is fair. Oh, wait, wait. The kids in Texas got interviewed. I bet you haven't even heard a lot about it. The kids in Texas, they're wondering why people with guns weren't allowed to protect them. Oh! <gasps> Yeah, you know how quickly the the media moved on from the school shooting in Kentucky earlier this year as well, because the kids there came out and said they were they didn't support gun confiscation. They wanted people in the school armed to protect them. Yes, I kid you not. And you had the 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 security resource officer in in Illinois who shot the would be school shooter. Yes, I kid you not. When CNN going to give a town hall to the kids in Texas? Huh? I mean, fair is fair. But, of course, they won't because there's not a liberal PR effort behind the kids in Texas. And that's what got the ball rolling the last time. 